Canada was one of the countries that led on the banning of cluster munitions uh, around the world, uh, and we will continue to stand very strongly uh, that they should not be used. Um, when I was in Ukraine just a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the tens of thousands of rounds of uh, ammunition that we were continuing to send uh, to Ukraine. We recognized the need uh, for more munitions uh, in Ukraine and holding strong and uh, even pushing back against this illegal Russian invasion. And I can tell you that all allies are working very, very hard to deliver more munitions to uh, Ukraine. Well, that was the Prime Minister Monday in Latvia ahead of the uh, NATO meetings now underway and uh, Trudeau condemning the use of cluster bombs, which are what President Biden has sent to Ukraine. So uh, it puts Canada at odds with the U.S., which is not going to back down. Russia's been using these things against Ukraine for months, and Ukraine needs ammo. So I'm not really thinking that Mr. Trudeau's in a position to be criticizing, you know, the actions of our allies, not when they are openly calling this country out for our inaction to meet defense spending targets. It is supposed to be 2% of our GDP. None of our allies are happy with us right now, especially after Trudeau told, you know, the same people that we'll never meet our NATO targets. So there's a whole bunch of moving parts on this trip. He did visit with the soldiers uh, in Latvia, our Canadian soldiers who are on a mission there. Um, these are the same soldiers who lacked so little resources from our government that they had to buy their own equipment and food. So I have to think that that would have been a bit embarrassing. But nonetheless, let's bring in uh, Richard Chamuka, defense expert and senior fellow over at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Richard. Thanks for having me. All right. I wanted to start kind of on the news that broke, uh, I guess, late in the day yesterday about Sweden. Turkey seems to have moved out of its way uh, to allow, uh, you know, Sweden to come into to NATO. Um, I, I have a feeling Turkey did it for its own interest as much as anything else. But your takeaway on this? Well, everybody's wondering. Uh, nobody's too sure what what's Turkey's position or how it's how it's sort of been. Uh, why it's made this change? Erdogan has basically kind of been playing this pretty wily, so to speak. He's not. Uh, he's he. A lot of people thought he was trying to use uh, Sweden as sort of a hostage for his own uh, domestic political position. Uh, he just recently won his election, so maybe there's not pressure there. It's not really too clear what what made him change his mind on um on nato accession so nobody knows we'll maybe figure out or find out in the in the coming days here but uh certainly it was a bit of a surprise given how uh how staunch he's been against uh them actually joining or sweden joining in uh before this point yeah i guess time tells on all of these things so this week is said to be pretty important and it comes after a number of weeks where we've had nato allies basically saying like crap or get off the, the pot Canada it's so clear that they are not happy with us um, you know the, the Prime Minister has said they're not going to spend um, the two percent that we're supposed to however then he dumps money into our exercises over in Latvia saying you know in three years we'll double troops there and spend two point you know three billion dollars but you know we're talking three years that they're gonna do something it's almost like we're gonna do something after the fact hopefully this thing will be over um, but the bottom line, what do you think the trickiest part for, for Trudeau is going to be? Well, certainly that is going to be the tricky part. He's basically, Ken has, has said in the past, it's not going to meet the 2% uh, guidelines. And this uh, meeting is going to actually reinforce that as being the floor for NATO members to actually reach. Uh, in his visit, I believe it was last month, the Secretary General had kind of outlined that there was going to be a, a, a deal coming up of some sort and in his kind of very understated way kind of put on notice that maybe Canada should 
uh, meet this, uh, try to come towards this requirement. And, and we've had some reports that Canada's trying to resist this. Uh, so uh, definitely there's a high wire act that uh, the prime minister has to sort of, has to sort of try, uh, walk on because this announcement, certainly the Eastern uh, European members of NATO have, have been really pushing uh, the Western, uh, Western uh, members in Canada to actually do more in the region. Uh, and, and he's made a bit of a sort of a large splash announcement, but at the same time that Canada's not going to try to, potentially might not try to meet the 2% guidelines. Uh, I'm not too sure how many uh, members are actually going to be satisfied by this because this is, a bit of a well-worn playbook that Canada trust says, well, look, we're, we're doing stuff. We were, you know, we're making a big contribution, but when they look into what actually Canada's doing on the, in terms of its actually military spending, it's clear that we aren't close to what everybody else is, is about to reach, uh, reach at this time. So uh, trying to uh, thread that needle, to use a different metaphor, uh, it certainly is, is going to be tough because I, I think many members are, kind of done with hearing this kind of story and they want them to actually do its fair share uh, internationally. Yeah, I mean, for us to uh, be in the game, we'd have to spend another $18 billion on top of the $36 billion that we spent on defense um, last year. And polling has shown, Richard, that now there is an appetite in Canada uh, by Canadians for defense spending, which is not normal. Because normally we look at this and, you know, say, push it down the road, which I think is why we are in the position we are now, is that, like, we couldn't even defend ourselves if something happened. But, you know, the the... the Mood of Canadians has changed on this, but the government's hasn't. And so all the things we're doing now, like buying the F-35s that we should have had 10 years ago and buying all this stuff, we won't even have it should something happen. Yeah, so I, I think that's a, kind of a key point is that government, I think uh, Canadians always want Canada to do its fair share, right? Uh, you know, that we there's a self-image that Canada's a good international member of good standing that, you know, pays its bills and whatnot. And Successive governments, but particularly this last one, has kind of put out the claim: "Look, you know, we're we're out there. We are um, we're we're doing our fair share. Say, you know, we we're we're putting troops in uh, in Latvia and whatever." The reality is that they've now been confronted, especially in this in the last year here, by a image that our allies have been telling us very privately before this point: "Saying, no, you're not doing enough. You actually need to spend to the uh, to the floor, right? You need to meet that." Canadians and Alcapara, they mentioned, like, no, you are actually not that good member. That, that uh, government's kind of portrayed that picture. You're actually a debitor to some degree, or you're not spending, you're not your net taker of sort of security or defense from other countries who are spending for it. And you've kind of, you're kind of living within this good, in this, um, in, in this environment that others are spending for. So you need to spend more. And I think that's what, that's sort of the distance where Canadians are, well, we need to spend. You know, we need to meet that 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 commitment. I, I, if you look at polling, it's been fairly consistent that people do want to do. Canada wants to that people want Canada to be that strong sort of you know helpful partner. And and now they realize well we actually might not be doing that at all.
Yeah, no, not even close. What do you make of the the condemnation, though, by Trudeau uh, over these cluster bombs? I mean, I get that we signed on to this. It's not something that that he agrees with, but they've been used against Russia. um, Russia's been using them against Ukraine for months. And I really don't think we are in a position to to tell the president what we are and aren't going to do. And I don't think that's a conversation that would go over well with Biden, (laughs) because I, I just don't think anything will go over well with any leader at this point coming from Canada. But you say what? Well, we're not the only country that's that's sort of uh, pushing against it. Uh, obviously, we were a key uh, signatory of the original landmine treaty and the and the sort of later Clasbon treaty. Uh, but a lot of other countries—Germany, Spain, uh, even the United Kingdom—have have sort of voiced some opposition. I think the reality, though, is that the reasons why the Clasbon treaty was signed was for somewhat of a different purpose. That this was often used as as a weapon to undertake gross humanitarian. Um, abuses against people uh, and, and the type of when it was used often in places where you would see you know against civilians and whatnot whereas in this case this isn't going to be used by the ukrainians who actually already use these class of weapons anyways in an earlier versions the same ones as the russians use because they often use the same equipment same munitions uh in this case they're saying look we will take care of the we're going to use this on our own territory we will be responsible for cleaning up and if you look at how many, how Russia's just stringing landmines everywhere, this is not even close to the problems that we are facing with these, with this kind of class of sort of uh, weapons, right? Like this, Russia's deploying millions of landmines and, uh, and sort of cluster weapons that we're going to have to clean up anyways on our own territory to stop our own people or to, to sort of hurt our own people and hurt our ability to retake our country. And so for Ukrainians, I, I think they find this, argument a bit uh a bit ridiculous given the situation that they're taking responsibility they want to sort of uh retake their country they are they need sort of the weapons to do this and this is a class of weapons in their view and it's it's actually is quite an effective one to sort of uh, identify to attack and sort of uh degrade russian forces so for from them it doesn't really it doesn't seem it, it seems like a bit of a of a not really a relevant conversation, one that, that kind of is preventing them from getting something they actually need. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Greta Thunberg going over there and lecturing them about climate change. It's like, there's there's a time and place. <laughs> Let's get through the war. Let's not worry oh, about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to them, I mean, they, they see this as kind of in the line of another sort of system that they think they, they need. They, they, again, they, they use these class weapons already. And, you know, they're going to have to sort of deal with the cleanup after the war. It's not like they're attacking Russia. They are actually using it on Ukrainian territory. The, in, their, in their view is that you are not giving us, you know, you haven't given us the artillery, the long-range artillery you wanted. You didn't give us sort of the fighter jets, the tanks until you did, right? Here's another system that we want, we, we need, but for reasons, you know, ones that you don't even see as being really realistic, you aren't giving it us, giving us to us, and now you're sort of, you know, clutching pearls or, or sort of, you know, really putting up roadblocks yeah. which don't seem relevant to them. Stay tuned. Might be an interesting week. We'll see what other news we get out of this. Richard, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me.